Well, hey y'all, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility. This week, we're going to be talking about the 1996 Emma adaptation starring Kate Beckinsale. You can find this adaptation of Emma on, and only on, redbox.com. So ladies, now that we have that out of the way, Lori, what you sippin'? Well, I'm currently sipping a Canadian beverage. It is a Nestle Pure Life sparkling water, and it's, of course, black cherry flavored. I only have this in my household because my parents have moved back from Canada during a worldwide pandemic. So, yes, it has been interesting. That's so exciting. It is exciting. Also, I just have to say, when you mentioned your parents moved back from Canada, I wanted to sing the Canada national theme song. But what came to mind was the Olympic theme. Boom, 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 boom. And I was like, that's not right. I like how you just called their national anthem a theme song. <laughs> oh, did I say the Canadian theme song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Beth. I'm going to stop talking. What you sipping on? I made myself a screwdriver. Ooh. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it is vodka and orange juice. And vodka is definitely my liquor of choice. It's a very good drink. Uh, the only reason I'm drinking it and not wine is simply because I am out of wine. <laughs> Otherwise, I would definitely be <laughs> sipping a good old glass of red right now. But don't you worry, I'm headed to Atlanta to go to Trader Joe's this weekend. Technically, I'm going to celebrate my mom's birthday, but I'm also going to get a Trader Joe's. <laughs> we know the real reason. <laughs> yes, I got to stock up on that two buck chuck. Oh, uh, well, Julia, what are you sipping on? Well, I am also changing it up tonight. I am not drinking hot tea. Gasp, <gasps> gasp. I am actually drinking iced coffee. It's the Califia Mocha Cold Brew Coffee with almond milk. So it's dairy-free, which is good for my little tum-tum, and it's got some caffeine. So I'm interested to see what it's like to have the podcast go in with a cold coffee instead of a hot tea. For mm -hmm. everyone wondering, we're recording at night. Why are you drinking coffee? I mean, I'm not shaming you for it because I love coffee too, but <laughs> I know your caffeine level intake. I'm concerned. I got, you know, I got to keep my energy level up. I'm going to be honest. I got my haircut today. Some of you who follow me on Instagram may have, may have seen, but I unfortunately am very bad at salon small talk. So it really drained me. And I just want to say when I posted that story saying that I had a lot of people tell me that they are also very bad at salon small talk. So if you feel that way, ladies and gents, I think you are not alone. You are not alone. Julie, I can totally relate about the small talk thing. I have actually only gotten my hair cut out of salon twice in the last mm, three to four years. So <laughs> I don't have like that long of hair. It's not like I've been growing it out for a long time. I just, I don't know. The social anxiety is real. Yes. And I don't like paying a fortune to get my hair cut. And at the beginning of quarantine, I actually just like cut it off myself. And it was really freeing. Well, we watched the 1996 version, both with Gwyneth Paltrow and with Kate Beckinsale. And this week we get to talk about the latter. So ladies... Tell me, did you like it? 
Um, no. Just no. I'm just going to leave it with a simple no for now because I don't want to, I don't want to get off on mm-hmm. it too early. <laughs> don't want to go on a rabbit trail? I'm solidly in the middle. It was okay. It was fine. Get all these answers. I don't think I felt as badly about it as you guys did. I actually liked it. I thought it was good. It had a lot of redeeming qualities. It's definitely hard to compare this one to the last two, though, because those are such high quality. And I really liked both of those. And this one just kind of pales in comparison. But I still liked it. I thought it was good. I will say I think my expectations were really high because... I had heard that this was an Emma that a lot of Austin fans really loved and adored. So I was expecting, like you were saying, Beth, really high quality. Also, this is on the tails of both a miniseries and then my first Austin ever, which not only is very nostalgic, but after watching this Emma, I think it's a really great adaptation. So I think my expectations were really high and they were just kind of dashed against the rocks. Yeah, I'd agree. It definitely wasn't as good as I wanted it to be or as I thought that it might be. I actually don't think I'd seen this one before, which is very rare. I think I've seen every other adaptation of Emma. Well, uh, the critics and audience on this one are they're actually more favorable than you guys are being. Uh, critics actually had 88% on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience gave it 73%. But I will say it's worth noting that this Emma only has eight critics like eight critic reviews that it's taking into account. And that's where they get the 88% from. The last Emma we talked about with Gwyneth Paltrow had a slightly lower critic score, but they had 52 critic reviews that they're taking into account. Oh my gosh, that is a huge difference. Yeah. I'm guessing that's probably because it's a TV movie. Yeah, I think the like quality and the budget had something to do with it for sure. And I think that also probably has something to do with us only being able to find it on Breadbox. If there wasn't a physical release, that could explain a lot of things. Fun fact, I actually found out while searching this movie that it was adapted by the same screenwriter who produced the 1995 BBC TV serial Pride and Prejudice, which is well-beloved amongst, I'd say, universally all Austin fans. It's one of my favorites. I can't wait until we potentially maybe might do that. Yeah, even though, I mean, 2005 Pride and Prejudice is up there as one of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion, I still think that one is truly amazing. So, kind of surprised that this movie isn't as great. But I guess, I mean, he wasn't, anyways, it wasn't all up to Andrew Davies. That's true. So as I was watching this movie, I couldn't help but notice that the quality isn't super great. Like, It looked like a film from 1996. Yes, and we had just watched the Gwyneth Paltrow version, and it didn't look that way. Like, it still held up and looked really good, and this one did not. Honestly, when I was watching it with my husband, the first scene came up, and he said, when was this movie filmed? Because he thought that it was filmed in literally, like, the 60s or 70s. It was was, grainy. It was so grainy. Well, so I got curious about that. Just because I was comparing the two 1996 versions, I'm like, these are made at the same time. What happened? I didn't realize at that point that this one is a TV movie. Um, And so obviously the budget was pretty different. So the budget for this version was actually 2.5 million pounds. And for the Gwyneth Paltrow version, it was 7 million US dollars. So that is in 1996. So exchange rates and money has changed a little bit. 
But essentially, this movie had about half the budget of the Gwyneth Paltrow version, which could explain some things. I feel like that shows. And is it okay if I segue us a little bit into the music cinematography general vibe section? Go for it. One thing that I really did feel like was lacking compared to the other Emma was music. As you guys may remember, I just absolutely raved about the music in the other Emma. In fact, it won an Oscar, people. So, you know, it's worth raving about. What, was there even music in this one? That's what I was going to say. I, made I didn't a, notice it. I made a note to myself that said the music did absolutely nothing special for the movie. It was super basic, just very normal period music that you didn't even really notice. Other than, at times, the music made the movie seem like a horror movie. That or the weather. There was a lot of thunder, a lot of like lightning bolts, a lot of things like that. Mm, that's but not true. a whole lot of like lovely period music. I will say, in case you guys are wondering why I thought it seemed like a horror movie at times, there is a scene where Emma is imagining Harriet and Mr. Knightley getting married to each other, and they have very horror music movie music in the background. And I literally was so taken off guard in that moment. It was very disturbing. We are going to have to talk about that later. Yes, we're going to have to talk oh about that. Oh my gosh, we're going to have to talk about that later. So now that I've said my piece about the music or lack thereof in this film, do you guys have any other thoughts on the music cinematography slash general vibe of this film? Yeah, I mean, I thought the opening was really weird. Yeah, uh, however, the ending was perfectly timed comedy. May I just say, <laughs> Papa, the chicken thieves are back. Total lie. Chicken thieves are back. Yes. <laughs> I honestly, like, I don't want to say anything else right now because I'm just dying to talk about the characters. Okay, well then let's get into those characters, shall we? So, as always, we will start with a title role of Emma, who in this film is played by Kate Beckinsale. You may recognize her from other Austin films like Love and Friendship or the rom-com Serendipity. What did you guys think of Kate Beckinsale? Okay, Love and Friendship was the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. I went with my mom, we sat in the theaters, and both of us wanted to leave the whole time. We didn't, but I'm just telling you, absolute trash. Now, I can't hold that against Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> she did do a good job. She's really pretty, but for sure not how I imagined Emma. I just couldn't get past the brown hair. It was seemed so wrong. Yeah, there was a lot of hair again in this film. Why is hair a theme with Emma? Why is that a theme? Anyway, <laughs> uh, to me, she was just very one note. Like, I don't know if that's just how Kate Beckinsale was playing her as an actress or if that was a director's note, but I feel like her, all of her character the entire time was stern, a bit condescending, and just kind of stagnant. I feel like that was for a lot of the characters where they were very one note. I Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start ripping this movie apart. I <laughs> hated, I hated Kate's Emma. And I'm sorry, I know there are a lot of people out here who love this movie, but I couldn't stand this Emma. She was mean. She was rude. Her, the daydreams that they chose to have in the film, this isn't Kate's fault, but the daydreams they chose to have her have in the film made her seem really childish to me. I thought that was really weird. Also, one thing that really bothered me, not only was she mean, but she stayed so egotistical throughout the film. I have evidence. At the end of the film, 
she is engaged to Nylee. Frank and Jane are engaged. Harriet is off with Robert Martin. And Frank is standing with Emma complimenting his fiance. And Emma gets mad about it. She literally makes a face like she's disgusted by him complimenting his fiance, which shows she didn't grow at all throughout the film. And that made me so frustrated and upset. Okay, I have to stick up and defend our girl, Kate. I actually didn't feel like she did that bad of a job. I mean, given this is nothing like a Gwyneth or a Ramallah performance, but there were a lot of things about this that I thought were really tender. One of them is that she always remembered Harriet. Every time something went wrong romantically, she always was like, oh no, Harriet. And maybe it was a little overdramatic and annoying, but I thought that was really sweet. And then Julia actually at the ball scene at the end like you were just talking about I thought that this scene was so sweet because I she really like that scene thank you she makes a point of going over and talking to Harriet and getting introduced to Mr. Martin and she you know she had said earlier in the film I can't talk to you if you marry him we're not going to be friends anymore but then we do see that change in her because she does go over and talk to them and I liked it and I thought it was good I think that part that you're talking about, Julia, where she's like making a mean face at Frank is because she's not happy with Frank. Yeah, that could be it. I will say, though, I felt like Emma going up and acknowledging Harriet's existence while it was growth is basically the bare minimum of friendship. You know, if she really wanted to elevate Harriet's status, she could have told Mr. Knightley to have them seated at the normal people table and not with all of the other servants. Not that servants aren't normal people, but you know what I mean? But they're not servants. They're they're farmers. And this whole thing is like the harvest. What is it like the harvest celebration or something yeah. like that? He says something about it being a good harvest or something. Yeah. And you have to realize how big of a deal it is for them to even be there. And for for the host, the woman of honor at this thing to go over and talk to them. I mean, I know that wasn't really a Kate choice. That was probably just like a movie choice, but I liked it. I guess this does bring up the bigger picture that this movie does really highlight a lot of the class separation in this movie. They make a point of filming um, the lower class servants helping out prepare things at the picnic and harvest hay and things like that. So I think this movie is trying to point that out. I still feel like Kate's Emma was mean. I feel like she did the bare minimum in terms of growth. And I straight up didn't like her. I also didn't think that she was that great of a friend to Harriet. I know what you're saying. I can see that she does remember her at times. But at the beginning of the movie, she was so incredibly controlling and rude to Harriet about Robert Martin. And I did not like that. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me just straight up, do I like Emma in this version? Not do I like Kate's portrayal or not do I like this choice or that choice, but do I like Emma in this in this movie? My answer is no, because she is mean and I do like the changes that she goes through, but she's just not, um, they're not redeeming qualities to her. She's kind of annoying and mean and meh. So Emma and Mr. Knightley, after they're having that argument about Robert Martin and Harriet, which is very heated, by the way, I just noticed there was a moment where Knightley slams the door and he's walked away and Emma says, you are wrong and you will be sorry to the door as it's closed. And it was a very villainous moment to me. And I, I was kind of concerned for a bit that she was going to kill him. Villainous and dare I say middle school. Agreed. I would just love to see an adaptation where Emma kills Knightley. <laughs> it's like Pride Project and Zombies. It's like... Emma and murder. I don't know what you were calling. Oh my gosh. I mean, that'd be a different take. 
that's a hot take on Emma right there. I will say the scene where she messes up and is mean to Miss Bates is not as bad in this film. To me, it just, it was like with, words are hard. It was like in the Gwyneth Paltrow one where it just comes out of her mouth. Like it wasn't a direct thought. Again, I'm sorry. I think it's just because I started this movie, realized I didn't like it, and then just had a bad attitude. But I felt like in that scene, more than any of the others, we kind of talked about how uh, Ramallah's Emma was swept up in the joking of the scene and then just kind of said it in a joking way and then realized her um, her mistake. And then Gwyneth Paltrow's Emma was just fed up and frustrated with the events of the day and then just kind of let it slip out. But I really did feel like in this version, Kate's Emma just said it and meant it. And I could have read it totally wrong, but I didn't love that. Speaking of that scene, let's go ahead and talk about Mr. Knightley, who is played by Mark Strong. Mark Strong is actually in the uh, Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. Fun fact. Who does he play? (laughs) I thought I would have known this. Yet again, Lori's Sherlock obsession continues. Mark Strong plays Lord Henry Blackwood in the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. Oh my gosh, how did I forget that? He's also in a lot of other action movies like Zero Dark Thirty and Kingsman the Secret Service. So he's a pretty big name. I have a hot take. Hot take. Go ahead. Here's my hot take. Elton is hotter than Knightley in this movie. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Sorry, that was super loud. You never thought it would be said. You never thought it. I don't like saying those words, but it's true. I... Did not like Mr. Knightley in this version. He was grumpy. He was mean. And like, he just was not Knightley to me at all. And the age difference just felt huge. I was like, who is this old man and this young child? When he said, I can remember holding you like this once. That to me, I was like, oh my God. And he mentioned it in the proposal. I, I have to say. Mark Strong talking about this nightly, I feel like I need to issue a formal apology to Jeremy Northam for not being fair enough to him because his Mr. Knightley was so sweet and so kind and so endearing. And Mark Strong is, like you said, just kind of a jerk. To quote my husband, Mark Strong is a bad guy actor. Yes, he I is. Did, okay, I truthfully, I did feel like he had a little bit of like a Matthew McFadden from Pride and Prejudice moment where you don't think he's that attractive at the beginning and he gets more attractive. But this is on like such a minor and low-key scale that it still left him looking not very attractive at the end of the movie. Also, speaking of the hair, again, his hair was pretty cringe. All of their hair was cringe. At one point, it just looked weird. Were they all wearing powdered wigs at one point? Harriet. Oh, Harriet's hair. Harriet's hair. (laughs) Wait, talk about that. Why? They keep doing everyone in these period pieces' hairs dirty. Except Gwyneth Paltrow so far, in my opinion. And, like, Ramallah's hair was okay, too. But, like, come on. Can we get some better period hair going on here? Well, now that we got our thoughts about Knightley out of the way, do you guys have anything else before I move on? I'm just disappointed. Mm, Me too. Um, Let's move on to Harriet. 
Harriet in this adaptation is played by Samantha Morton, who plays Alpha in The Walking Dead, and she plays Mary Blue in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. She's a pretty big name. Can I quote Mr. Knightley for my uh, comments here? Absolutely. Please do. <clears throat> she is pretty and good-tempered, that's all. <laughs> okay, again, I am sorry. This is not me trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be honest. But I felt like Samantha Morton's Harriet waffled a lot. At the very beginning of the movie, she had a conversation with Emma where she seemed so intelligent and put together. And I was really interested in that take. But then once Robert Martin's proposal comes along and she's talking to Emma about it, her character completely changes. She becomes helpless and dumb and easily manipulated. And I just felt like her character waffled and was not very steady to me. Also, I kind of don't want to say this, but I feel like I have to. There was a moment when Emma was giving Harriet advice about Robert Martin. And she told her that now that Harriet had decided that she was going to reject Robert Martin's proposal, she was so excited because she could reveal that they could stay friends. And Harriet gave her this look, which first of all, Emma, oh my gosh. Second of all, Harriet's face looked up at Emma the way that Gollum looks at the ring in Lord of the Rings. And then I could not get it out of my head the rest of the movie. Harriet kept looking at Emma the way that like Gollum looks at the ring. And then I realized that there's a little bit of like a physical, like I even looked up if Andy Serkis and Samantha Morton were related. Oh my gosh. I, okay, setting apart the Lord of the Rings reference right there, which I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, I agree with you, Julia. I do think she waffled because there was a bit when her and Emma, for some reason, are having a sleepover and they're getting their hair brushed and Harriet says something about, oh, Frank is no longer attached or something, you know, whatever. And Emma says, oh, it means nothing to me. And Harriet's face just kind of goes, hmm. You know, like eyebrows raised, like, oh, really? And it's like, you can, like, are you trying to be sly here? I'm concerned. I'm, I don't know what to think here. Yeah, I noticed that too. And I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to the hair, but that was what stood out to me. And at the beginning, I noticed her hair looked really bad. It was really thin and wispy. And it's not all about appearances, but I just thought that they were using that as a technique. Like, okay, let's make her hair look really bad at the beginning and then Emma's gonna take her along and she's gonna look better and her hair's gonna be more put together it'll be a great symbol well that did not happen her hair consistently looked terrible throughout the whole movie I I felt bad for the girl also speaking of Emma taking Harriet under her wing I do have to say again that I feel like this movie set me up not to like the way that Emma and Harriet connected because when she was first finding Harriet she was looking at Mr. Elton and trying to find a woman for him. She looked across the church and then there was sun shining directly down from the window onto Harriet. Oh I, it was, it was too much. And I could not, I couldn't do it. I, I have that it. written down. Uh, LOL. Window light shines down on Harriet like God sending a dove. Oh, gosh, it was too much. Also the poor girl when she ugly cried. Oh my gosh. Not a good look. They just kept having these moments where her eyes were like so red and puffy. I, I think most of that's to blame on costuming. 
and hair oh, and yeah. makeup. She's beautiful. It's it's the movie. It's not yes. the girl. Yes, absolutely. Samantha Morton isn't an, a not an ugly person by any means. Like you pointed out earlier, they really, really played up the separation of class in this film. Like, if you notice at the beginning, there are literally children rolling in mud as Mr. Woodhouse and, you know, the rest of the crew are riding through on their carriage. And it's just like, what in the world? And then there's servants everywhere, which I was kind of like, they aren't royalty. Like, this seems extreme. I will say, I think that in this adaptation, you're right. It was very exaggerated. And I think that was to make a point. But I also felt like it made Emma's character, again, more unlikable to me. Because she didn't even make eye contact with Robert Martin. And, you know, they have, in many other adaptations of Emma and in the book, Emma does reach out. She does go serve the poor um, and help them out. And in this, you just got the sense that she was just full of disdain for anyone below a certain level. And I did not like that. I just want to point out in the robbing scene, all of the characters there are like depicted really, really, really badly. Like they look very stereotypical and it's just not a good look. Agreed. So now that we've talked about Harriet, let's move on and talk about Frank Churchill, who in this adaptation was played by Raymond Coulthard. He is not a super well-known name in the U.S., but he's been in quite a few British TV shows and movies. I feel like Frank in this adaptation is a good balance between the last two Franks. Like you definitely have a couple of moments where you're like, wow, you're a jerk. Uh, you're taking this a little too far there, buddy. And then other times where I'm like, oh yeah, he's just a chill dude, just hanging. Surprise, surprise. I actually have a good thing to say about the movie. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. Everybody's probably so annoyed with me, but I agree. I did not mind this version of Frank Churchill. Like you said, I think it was a good balance between, yeah, he messed up, but you can also tell that he is really in love with Jane, which I really liked. I did feel like there were quite a few moments where in order to cover up his love for Jane, he would criticize her to Emma. Like he called her ugly, which I really did not like. But there were a lot of cute moments where the director played it so that you could tell that Frank was flirting with Jane in public just secretly. And I really like that. I think one of the scenes specifically is when Frank goes over to Jane's house to see the piano that he's gifted her and Emma's there. And he mentions something about a song that she's playing. And it's kind of obvious that maybe that's a song that's special to them. And then he says, oh, the piano came with a book of Irish songs. Whoever got that for you must really like you. And I thought that was really cute. So I did kind of like this version of Frank. Yeah, Frank was my favorite thing about this movie. I really liked him. And like you said, Lori, it was such a perfect combination and kind of happy medium of the last two Franks that we saw because you do see that he's in love with Jane. and It's really sweet. And like this one comment, he says a lot of things that are really vague and veiled. But at one point he's walking with Emma and they're talking about Elton's house. And Frank says that sharing a small house with a woman you truly love, um, like, wouldn't be so bad. And I thought that was really sweet. And there are just a lot of other moments like that. And then he does get a little bit mean and harsh, but I felt like it totally made sense. Like you could see 
him getting really impatient with the situation and Jane getting impatient with the situation and that there's probably a lot of tension and conversation going on in the background between them. And so it made sense when he got mad and did things that were, you know, a little bit mean or harsher towards Jane. And I liked it a lot. I thought it worked really well. I liked how they showed their fight. I agree. I also, just in general, I feel like this is kind of what we're all getting to, but I felt like it was a really well-rounded Frank. We all kind of talked about in the Gwyneth Paltrow adaptation of Frank, he was super nice and we loved that, but that's not necessarily the most well-rounded version of Frank. And this version, he's dived into a little bit more. We get to see his character more. Um, I do think that diving into Frank's character while also trying to dive into the Emma story, while also trying to dive into her friendship with Harriet and Knightley's character, it does show you why you really need a mini series to get into all the little details as this book gets into. I think the Gwyneth Paltrow version of Emma so beautifully reads as Emma's story, but we do miss a little bit of Frank. I felt like in this adaptation, they were trying to dive into every little detail, and that made the movie seem a little bit scattered to me. Like you were watching a lot of little stories happening all at once. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but... Yeah, it honestly feels like a great shame that the miniseries, which did have the time to do it, just kind of like really messed up the Frank thing because they had a ton of time and instead they just chose to make him this huge jerk and not really give the audience an explanation of what was going on, which is super disappointing. And in this one, they do do such a good job with it. And I just loved that. I think they use their time more wisely in this adaptation than in the Gwyneth Paltrow one because one, we got a heck of a lot more Jane, may I just say, thank goodness. Um, but you can definitely understand a lot more of the story and you recognize the little things that are happening in the background. And you do get Jane and Frank's relationship in this one, which was sorely lacking in the Gwyneth Paltrow one. Yeah. And just another like mark up for Frank that kind of actually kicks Emma down a little bit. But she is the one who's kind of trying to edge him on against Jane like she brings up Dixon and wants him to like tease her and Frank shuts it down and there's just a bunch of times like that where that happens over and over and then eventually you do see him bringing up Dixon with the puzzle and all of that but a lot of it is initiated by Emma which again is part of the reason I don't like her as much I was literally just looking at my note that I wrote about that I think even at one point you can tell, and I'm not sure if it's in the initial scene where you hear about the piano or if it's in the scene where they're at the Bateses, but Emma mentions Mr. Dixon to Frank on her own. She mentions Mr. Dixon and Frank makes this little face almost like, Emma, like, why are you doing this? And you can tell that he kind of maybe thinks she's a little silly even. And again, that made Frank a more in-depth character, but it also made me like Emma less, so... There's kind of a win-lose there. Honestly, for me, Emma really seems more like a teenager in this film, which is kind of sad. Like she, the level of contempt and, well, maybe not contempt, maybe that's harsh. But, you know, the level of condescension that is visible in some aspects really makes me think that you're not really acting like the lady of the house that you're supposed to be. And it's not a good look. 
Yeah, that's true. This is definitely a much more immature Emma. Totally agree. Okay, now that we have wrapped up those characters, how was the book to movie accuracy for y'all? Oh my gosh. They ruined it with those stupid imagined scenes. I hated that. Oh, Oh, it was terrible. They really, they had a good thing going and then they chose to spend time on that. Like I said, the wedding scene read like a horror movie to me. Super weird. Or I guess watched like a horror movie. The other thing that I thought was really weird was when Emma is staring at that painting. The painting? Yes, and it started moving. I was like, what is this? And again, just made Emma seem so much more childish. Why did they do that? All of the like... I like the visions, quote unquote, if that's what we want to call them, because they're not all flashbacks, are just awful. Like it makes it seem like a really bad 2000s rom-com. And I don't like it. Which is funny because this was 90s. So we could argue that it's not really this time. (laughs) I think I get where they were trying to go, but they just utterly failed. It was so bad. I will say other than that, I feel like other than the minor character discrepancies, well, I don't know if they seem very minor. I felt like it was pretty, pretty events-wise, book-to-movie accurate. Character-wise, I feel like they were off the mark. If they were going completely just by plot, I think they hit it. They hit, for me personally, all of the major events and like conflicts and resolutions and all that jazz. They even fit in the end part of the book with... You know, the three couples all being together, you know, getting married. You kind of get that little wrap up at the end that we haven't really seen. And I enjoyed that. Character wise, I agree with you, Julia. I don't think they hit the mark very well. Yeah, they kind of screwed up Emma, which was uh, kind of important there. The title character. Kind of a big deal. One thing, too, though, I noticed in the book, there's a lot more time. And I've talked about this before, where Emma has to sit in her mistake and Harriet's really upset with her because she's marrying Knightley. And again, in this version, they didn't they chose not to delve into that. So Harriet's already engaged to Robert by the time she comes up to Knightley. And so she really doesn't have to deal with the repercussions of that mistake Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. Like when she walked up all bubbly and happy, I was like, oh, no, this is how they're going to do it. And then she's like, why would it vex me or something? And I'm engaged. And you're like, what? That made no sense. I was like, you literally just said you were in love with Nylee. What the heck? Again, it makes Harriet seem so waffly to me. Okay, now that we have that out of the way, can we get to these proposals? Because I have some thoughts. Yes, please. Let's talk about Elton and Emma. Honestly, not that bad. I can see what Mr. Elton's doing. I don't think it was as creepy as it could have been. I think he got more mad at the situation than he did creepily angsty, I must have you. Like he got frustrated and was like, fine. Emma was also very silent for a lot of the scene. So it left room for him to talk a lot uninterrupted. I also felt like it was so weird. He watches Emma creepily stare at that painting of Frank for a really long time and talk about how interesting she finds him. And then he also hears Emma state that she plans to never marry and he still chooses to propose to her. I thought the fact that they highlighted all of those and then made him such a confident proposer, question mark, was really interesting. I also felt like this Emma, more than some of the other Emmas, just straight up gets mad. Yes. I don't really have a lot of things to say about Elton in this movie because he just wasn't that memorable. Besides the fact that he was more attractive than Knightley. 
But he was really aggressive in the proposal scene. Mm. Like, not like in a mean punching you way, but in like a, these are all my feelings and please believe me and accept me and just that kind of thing and trying to kiss her. And I just felt like he just seemed like a drunk guy in love who wanted his girl to like him. The proposal really does exemplify what Knightley was talking about with Mr. Elton's character. Mr. Knightley is like, he knows what he wants. He's going to go after who he wants. He wants an advantageous marriage. Like, he knows what it takes to do that. That's what he's going to do. And you can definitely see that in this film. I totally agree. Also, I will say I probably would have liked this Elton more. I don't really feel like there's something that sticks out that I really dislike, but it's on the heels of Alan Cummings' Elton, which is just so good. We all loved it. And one thing specifically that Alan Cumming got so much better, and this was actually a message, a line that somebody sent to us via Instagram message. They talked about how the end of that proposal scene, he delivers the line, everybody has their level so perfectly. And the delivery was just totally missing um, for that line with this Elton. Nothing against him. He's just not as good as Alan Cumming, in my opinion. I will say that he did not make me hate him later on in the film. Like, I don't think, like, yes, we get the Harriet rebuffing scene during the ball. But, you know, afterwards, like when they go on their adventure, strawberry picking and all that, you're just mad at Mrs. Elton because she's trash. She's always trash. Spoiler alert. But, you know, like you can see Mr. Elton at some points kind of like wincing at things that she does. And you're like, you know, he just did it for the money, which kind of sucks. But also, that's your own fault, dude. Speaking of trash, what did you guys <laughs> think of the nightly Emma proposal? I just have one thing to say. This is a line that happened during a proposal. I held you in my arms when you were three weeks old. Do you like me as well now as you did then? <laughs> Oh, oh god why 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 i thought the friends part last week was bad and this is just so much worse so much worse why would you ever ever say that also i could be totally wrong but i felt like he never very explicitly stated that he loved her or was asking him he to marry her i thought so he never did that was kind of weird because I was waiting for it, like, the entire scene. I was like, okay, dude, just, like, straight out say it. Because she does. She says, I do love you. But he's like, I think you know what I'm trying to say. And if I wasn't so much... I think he says, if I wasn't so much in love with you, I would be better at discussing it. I think that's about as close as he gets to flat out saying it. But, like, dude, you're proposing. Spit it out. I feel like that line is it completely overshadowed any other thoughts I might have had about the proposal. And again, I would just like to reiterate, Jeremy Northam, I am so, so sorry. So sorry, dude. So sorry. I'm sorry I doubted you. Well, it's that comment, and then it's like those really passionate kids. It's just so, so weird. So, talk about cringy. That was cringy. That also, was I did feel like a lot of sexual tension in that scene, and then that comment, yeah. and then that kiss, and I was like, oh, oh no. I don't like what I'm watching. <laughs> This feels wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was weird that he said that earlier in the film and then to bring it back up then. Oh, why? Again, the line, uh, no, indeed, we are not with siblings. They bring it up after they're engaged. They talk like once they're having yeah. the harvest ball scene. He says, 
you know, he's asking her if she wants to dance. And she says, well, it won't be inappropriate. We're not siblings. Dude, you're engaged. Stop talking. Stop. Stop. It's a known as bad in this film because I think they're both joking about it. In like hindsight, you know, like hindsight's twenty twenty, rip. But like, it, it, still, that phrase just needs not to be in their vernacular. Okay, thank God both of those are over. What made the movie, or what broke the movie for you? Because I got some thoughts. What made the movie for me? Frank. That's literally it. I enjoyed the <laughs> representation of Frank, and I think that's the only thing that I really liked about this movie. I'm not trying to be rude, but that was that was all I got. Um, what broke it? Well, uh, literally everything else. I hated Emma. I hated Knightley. I hated the cinematography. I didn't like Harriet. Uh, nothing. I I didn't. I did not like this movie. <laughs> I'm Hot sorry. Take. I'm sorry. Okay, on a slightly different note. Uh, what broke this movie for me were all of those dang visions. Oh my gosh. It was like every moment you turned, there was a flash and then they were back in the chapel and Mr. Knightley was putting a ring on a finger. Mr. Elton was putting a ring on the finger and she was waking up and screaming at some point and it's like, girl, you need to take like a Xanax or something and <laughs> take a nap. What made this movie for me was the last 30 seconds. They open this movie with chicken thieves and they close this movie with the chicken thieves. And let me tell you, I thought my make it moment was going to be, you know, the three couples dancing at the end. I was like, oh, you know, like a great closure that we haven't seen. And then it just cuts to them breaking into the chicken coop and stealing chickens. And I died laughing. I was like, this is what I needed. This is what I needed so bad. I will say Austin, my husband, <laughs> when we were watching this movie and the line came when they were trying to convince Emma's dad to let them get married, which was a problematic scene for me. But anyway, when he, he says, I, it, I'll, I don't want to go into it, but I just, he was so against it until she mentioned him killing chickens. And that's the only thing that did it, not his daughter's happiness for the rest of her life. That bothered me. But anyway, <laughs> That portrayal wasn't the best. Austin, Austin said is the only reason they had that stupid chicken scene to open the movie so they could use this line, Nightly can kill the chickens for us. Was that it? My made it moment was the scene where they talked to her dad. <laughs> <laughs> At the end? Yeah. So, sorry, Julia, but I was oh like, my gosh, if you guys could see us right now, my hand literally just went over my mouth. I'm so sorry, Beth. <laughs> It's okay. I'm not personally offended. Oh, I knew that I was going to like this movie more than you guys were after some very brief um, beginning comments. Um, but I really liked that scene. I think that just tends to be one of my favorite scenes in all of the movies because they do. <laughs> Julia! Julia is just not okay. <laughs> Conflict is not great. Um, it's just one of my favorite scenes in all the movies because I normally think it's really sweet. And I just thought the chicken robbers was so funny. I thought it was I liked, creative. I liked that scene too because it showed that Emma was like trying to ease her dad's nerves. You know, like she like lied, literally lied because I don't, or I'm implying that she lied because there was nothing to say that the chicken thieves were back. But she was like, won't you feel safer with Knightley in the house? You know, like, making him think it's his idea, which I think is the best way to go with this version of 
Yeah, Mr. Weston. So I'm going much smaller with my break it moment than you guys did. I did not like the imagined scenes either, but my break it moment was really a very small thing. I just don't know why they did this. And I think it really bothers me because of that. This is just kind of a transition between scenes. It's right before they're at Mr. Knightley's house picking strawberries. And there's a voiceover that just says, Mr. Knightley invites you to taste his strawberries, which are ripening. And that's it. Like, what the heck? (laughs) Why couldn't we have just like gotten a line from a character or even just like transitioned there and then explained it? Why was there just this random voiceover? I feel like that's how I felt about the daydreams in general. It was just unnecessary. So now that we've talked about our make it or break it moments, Lori, tell us who you would date from this version. I think it's probably going to be, you don't have a lot of great options, I'm going to be honest. I'm so interested to see who you choose. Can I just not, can I like not vote this week? No, you got to vote. We all have to vote. You could just like choose one of the servants in the background. I mean, I wouldn't judge you. Okay, here's my thing. I could not live with Mr. Knightley. I'd want to hit him with a sheet pan. (laughs) (laughs) A sheet pan? (laughs) I'm so far from the first two episodes. Yeah, Frank, I... For most of the time, he's fine. But then you get those like jerk moments. And I don't think I could handle that either. He's better than Mr. Knightley, but not by much. Dare I say I choose Mr. Elton? Oh my gosh. And let me explain myself before people come for me. When he is angry, he leaves. He leaves in a huff. However, I'm talking about the his proposal scene with Emma, by the way, for everyone listening. He turns around when Emma says, good night, sir. He turns around. He does not leave like a rude man, you know, bows, and then he leaves. So, you know, he's got some gentlemanly qualities. He goes after what he wants. Admirable, maybe questionable in the method of doing that. We can blame that on the alcohol. Uh, but he also doesn't act like a complete and total jerk after he gets married. I don't know. I feel like I'm defending something that's just not great. There's not a whole lot of good choices here. You weren't choosing from like great, great people. So we understand. Can I just be adopted by Mr. and Mrs. Weston? (laughs) You should have chosen Mr. Weston. (laughs) He's married. So are all the other characters by the end of the movie. You know what? I want him. I want Mr. Weston. He's a nice man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, how are your drinks? I feel like maybe this played into your choice a little bit. Because you're drinking water, so. Yeah, my uh, water is okay. It's not cold. It's like lukewarm, so that's unfortunate. I'm about halfway through it, but this is a one liter bottle, so it's a lot of water to go through. Um, but it's pretty good, you know, like the bubbles aren't like ridiculous and it tastes like cherry. Beth, how was your drink? So yeah, I have pretty much finished it. I have about one sip left. I also have a little bit on my lap from a previous spill, <laughs> uh, but it's good. And it's, yeah, I enjoy it. I mean, there's not really, it's pretty simple. Just vodka and orange juice. I hope next, next time to be enjoying some, um, Good old Trader Joe's wine, but we'll see. Julia, how was your iced coffee? Well, ladies, drum roll, please, because <laughs> I finished my drink. 
<gasps> I finished it. What? The crowd goes wild. I will be honest, this is an eight ounce juice glass and it was only halfway full, but still I finished it. Um, I'm going to be honest. Setting the bar really low for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to set achievable goals, okay? Um, this stuff, though, I highly recommend. It gets really hot here in my recording guest bedroom closet. So it was actually really nice having a cold beverage. And this Califia cold brew mocha literally tastes like chocolate milk. And it goes down so smooth. And I'm a huge fan. So if you're in the market for a dairy-free cold brew, highly recommend. And I feel like I should say that I was drinking Deep Eddie vodka and Kroger brand from Concentrate orange juice. So highly recommend the vodka. The orange juice is not great. It's the kind you have to like really shake before you pour it. And that's a little frightening. Well, everyone, we hope that you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, please give us a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts. And please follow us on social media. On Instagram, we are at Sips and Sensibility Pod. And you can find us on Facebook at Sips and Sensibility. Also, if you love this version of Emma, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I feel like I needed to say that. Feel free to DM us on Instagram to have a heated debate with Julia about the 1996 <laughs> Kate Beckinsale version of Emma. Thank you so much to everyone who entered the contest this week. This week's winner is Megan Stahl. She's on Instagram at MMStalls. Thank you so much for listening and shouting out our podcast. Okay, everyone. Next week, we are diving into the 2020 Emma period. That's right. There's a period at the end. I have so much to say. <laughs> if you want to watch this with us, you can find it on Prime. That's Amazon Prime for $15 or Apple TV for $15. Or if you're lucky enough to have HBO, it is available there for free. So until next week, keep on sipping, guys. <laughs>